If you have your Bibles, let me be inviting you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll be there in just a moment. Uh, we're coming to the final two weeks of a series that we've been doing on the Holy Spirit. And uh, we began uh, last week talking about uh, the presence of the Spirit, as in the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, one of the presents that uh, my children received last year uh, for Christmas was a Baby Yoda operation game. And some of us may remember not so much Baby Yoda operation, but you may remember Cavity Sam operation. That was actually the name of the guy who was on the board in the, the game operation where you took the little tweezers and you would uh, try to pick something out of Cavity Sam, whether it be a plastic wrench or whether it be uh, some other contraption, a funny bone or something that you would take out of Cavity Sam. And if you remember that game, any time that those metal tweezers would, would hit the edge of one of those spaces, what would happen? It, it was, and it was an alarming kind of deal, especially as a kid. Right? I mean, can you imagine being a little kid already hyped up on sugar a little bit, and then all of a sudden you hear one of those loud buzzer noises? Even as an adult, there's sometimes it's, you know, startled me a little bit when you put that little squeezer in there and it hits the edge. Paul, here in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, talks about the body. He talks about the body as it relates to the presence or the gifts of the Spirit. And if we're honest, it's been a passage of Scripture that has made some people a little jumpy over the years. And so we find at least five passages in the New Testament that talk to us about the presence, talk to us about the gifts of the Spirit. You'll see those on the screen. We don't have time to read all of them. I'd encourage you to write them down or, or take a picture of these and, and look them up for yourselves as you read through these places where the gifts are discussed. And here's what we notice in all five of these passages. We've looked at some of them already, some of them we have not. But what we notice is that no one list here on the screen is complete. You can't turn to, to one particular epistle or one particular passage and, and they all be complete. And, and so how do we know that? Well, because no list is identical, you know, as you look through these different passages. Um, and another observation that we make when we, we look through all these scriptures is, is I would suggest that it's, it's not the biblical author's intent for these lists to be exhaustive. It's not the intent of the writer. We have to look at the context of, of the Scripture and, and the passage in the book that we're looking at. And no one writer is trying to create an exhaustive list, rather it's more fitting that they are suggestive of the type of work that the Holy Spirit does. And so what do we say last week was the goal of these gifts? What do we say was the goal of these presents? Well, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 7, he says, the goal of these spiritual gifts that are given to you is for the common good of the common unity, the common good of the community. This is the purpose of, of the gifts. And so one question I hear is, well, does the Bible say any of these gifts will, will cease? Well, yes, it does in 1 Corinthians 13. And we're going to talk about that next week. So I want to encourage you to come back because we're going to address that next week. But for this week, I want us to pick up in verse 12 as Grady read for us just a few moments ago. 
Uh, always a blessing to see one of your children reading Scripture. Uh, and so, uh, verse 12 through 15, Greg talked about uh, Paul's words, just as the body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. The body is not made up of one part, but many. And then following along in verse 15, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. True or false? Most people know how, but very little know why. Here's how Max Licato would say it. This is an age of much know-how and very little know-why. The invisible enemy of sin and secularism has left us dazed and bewildered. In the midst of the wreckage sits God's intended rescue center, the church. We provide a haven for hurting people, a safe place to come in out of the storm. We each have responsibilities, and when we work together, the displaced find a place. And behind it all, overseeing the operation is the Holy Spirit. Anxiety, confusion, bewilderment, even conflict was all part of the world of the church in Corinth. And if we're honest with ourselves, there's, there's seasons, there's times where not much has changed in 20 centuries. And even though the Holy Spirit was moving in the lives of the believers, there was a lot of misunderstanding. And so, Paul, inspired by the Spirit, goes to work just like a surgeon and helping the Corinthians understand the, the purpose of the Spirit's work and movement in their lives. And in this passage is, in particular, the, is the presence or the gifts of that Spirit. And so, what we said uh, last week is that first and foremost is that the, the, the intention of the gifts, that they have to come under the, the Lordship of Jesus. Uh, last week, uh, one of our uh, young people, Charlie Richardson, stood on this stage and confessed, Jesus is Lord before entering into the waters of baptism. And Paul would say that, that we can't even say Jesus is Lord unless by the Spirit. And so, we, we can debate all day long about, well, what if a person says Jesus is Lord, but they don't really mean it. We can debate all that all, all day long, but, but what Paul says is you can't even say Jesus is Lord unless by the Spirit. Secondly, the gifts are about the edification the improvement of the body, the lordship of Jesus and the edification of His body, the church. 
as Brother Elijah said, who you saw on the screen a few moments ago from the Roosevelt City Church of Christ. And I encourage you to consider coming with us next week at 3 p.m. for that song and fellowship service. But he was here and spoke just uh, a few months ago, earlier this year. And one of the things that he said that has been repeated by many of you to me, because I've heard it several times, is that he stood on this stage and he said, I've got something you need and you've got something I need. And that resonated with a lot of us. And I so appreciate Brother Elijah saying those words, and I believe inspired by 1 Corinthians 12, because the gifts of the Spirit aren't about making you look good. The gifts of the Spirit are about God doing some good through you for the glory of Jesus. The gifts of the Spirit are about God doing some good through you to others for the glory of Jesus. The eye cannot say, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. I would suggest that, that God has placed inside of us a, a primary gift of the Spirit. But that doesn't mean that the Spirit cannot equip us with certain gifts for certain situations. Let's follow along in verse 22. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, and that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. Notice how in verses 15 through 20, notice how Paul is addressing this attitude. He's addressing this attitude of what some would call inferiority. This attitude of what God does through me is not near as great as what God is, is doing through them. And so the enemy loves it when a spirit of inferiority infiltrates the church. He loves it. And church, while the gifts are diverse, their goal is singular. The goal is for the common good of the community. And the Corinthians had forgotten this. The Corinthians had misunderstood this. And so spiritual gifts were actually dividing the church. Some people were showing off. Others were jealous. Everyone was confused. And so Paul not only addresses this first attitude in verses 15 through 20, he then goes on to address this second attitude in verses 21 through 27 that we just read. He addresses not only the attitude of inferiority, he addresses the attitude of superiority. So when Paul uses the phrase, gifts of the Spirit, most often what you see is this Greek word charisma. This is the word that he's using, or charismata. And in its purest sense, a charisma is a gift in the purest sense of the word. It's a gift. Now we use the word charismatic, we throw around the word charismatic you know, pretty flippantly sometimes. But in its purest sense, this, this, is, this means it's a gift. 
You receive it, but you don't deserve it. And you certainly do not earn it. It's purely by the grace of God that the Spirit gives supernatural empowerment to believers. So the gift of administration and the gift of showing mercy is just as important as the gift of sharing a message of knowledge. Aren't you thankful that folks can come alongside and organize some things from time to time that need some organization? Aren't you thankful that there's folks that can come alongside and, and show the gift of mercy when, when you have no mercy to give? Aren't you thankful? Uh, last week in our Connect group, one of the things that we did was we just sat around the circle and we went around and, and just acknowledged the gifts that we saw in one another. And it was a, it was a powerful moment. It was a beautiful moment. Uh, we actually went a half hour longer than we normally go because we were just, we were just captured in the moment, tears flowing down one another's faces as we just encouraged one another during that time. And I, I would encourage you, even if you're not in a connect group, to, to spend some time even going through some of the, the questions for our connect groups. Uh, I want to introduce you to what we used to call in the, in the Stone Age a bulletin. Uh, these are ac actually now out on the communion tables once again, and they have the Connect Group questions in them every week. You can pick up this little piece of paper and you can go through those throughout the week, and certainly want to encourage you to go through those in your Connect Groups as well. Everyone's gift did not serve in the same way. Everyone's gift was not the same as we went around that circle. But here's what we noticed is that everyone's gift had the same purpose. Everyone's gift was for the common good of the community. Uh, there's no way that I could do what I do up here every week uh, without our tech arts ministry that's serving right now. There's no way. And I'm so grateful for the, the giftedness of our tech arts ministry. You know the first tech arts ministry in Scripture was in Luke chapter 5, where Jesus rolls up on the scene. He says, hey, Peter, get me in this boat and put this boat off of the shore a little bit so I can speak to the crowd. And Peter created this audio for Jesus to be able to speak. I'm so thankful for those that, that serve in, in the area of the nursery, can I get an amen, that have the gift of mercy in the nursery. <laughs> I'm so grateful for, for those that serve out front that have the gift of encouragement, that as folks come in the front door, they, they welcome them. I'm so grateful for the gift of singing in our praise team that guides us into the throne room of worship every single week. I'm so grateful some of you have the gift of encouragement, and you'll just you'll send a letter at, at just the right time or a note of encouragement at just the right time to somebody. And that, that's not out of your power. That, that is a, a power that's been placed inside of you. It is a gift that's been placed inside of you, and you share that gift with other people. I'm so grateful for those that have the gift of giving. You know, there are some that, that just have that gift. 
that see a need and they're able to give toward that need. Some, some needs that happen inside of these four walls, but some needs that happen outside of these walls. Not every spiritual gift has to be used inside these four walls because there's a lot that takes place in the church outside of these walls throughout the week. There are folks who receive meals. There are folks that receive encouragement. There, there are folks that are, are blessed, not just inside this building, but outside this building as well. I'm thankful for our food pantry. I'm thankful for those that gather in this room right over here throughout the week and prepare the communion packets that Johnny walked us through just a few moments ago. I'm thankful for, for those that have the gift of manual labor, of building and constructing. I'm thankful for those that have the, the gift of, of service. You'll never see them in the spotlight but they're working in ways for the common good of the body. So let us consider a few takeaways today. Number one is that the diversity of the gifts of the Spirit is meant to bring us together and not drive us apart. So the problem with this attitude of inferiority or this attitude of superiority is that both interfere with the body of Christ working together and being united even if those attitudes are not spoken out loud. They still work against the body. And if we're not careful, what, what happens is that we retreat into these camps of people who are just like us and we wind up with uniformity instead of unity. And those are two very different things. So we wind up with a gathering full of noses. We wind up with a gathering full of hands or a gathering full of eyeballs, and there's no body without diversity. Diversity within unity belongs to the character of God. This is the theological beginning of the Scriptures, that God exists in perfect unity, Father, Son, and Spirit. Paul says that earlier in 1 Corinthians 12, and he's decreed the same for the people who are to bear his likeness, the church that they exist in this diversity as well. But if that's going to happen, we have to be on guard against the attitude of inferiority or superiority. These two attitudes have to die. If certain gifts go underdeveloped or unacknowledged, the whole body su suffers. Uh, just go and try and stub your toe and see how well you can function. I had one of those experiences this week in the middle of the night. I had a leg cramp in my calf. Why does it always happen in the middle of the night? And I, I was in the bed and I lunged forward, trying to kick my, I lunged forward and I hit my head on the headboard and almost knocked myself out. And Lainey walks, wakes up startled. I said, you're okay, you're okay. She thought I was having a bad dream. I said, I'm not okay, I'm not okay. <laughs> if I don't get this thing on the ground in just a minute, somebody's going somebody's to suffer. Yes, I have been taking more magnesium this week after that incident. But what does it mean for us as a church to grow in the equipping and exercising of all the gifts of the Spirit, not just a select few? 
Hope you'll join me in praying about that. Our life as a church is, is really so much bigger than what happens inside these 65, 75 minutes every week. The second takeaway is, is what the Spirit of God does through us is second to what Jesus has done for us. And, and we mentioned this last week, but I think it's so important to catch this again, church. That your redemption and salvation doesn't come from God working through you, it comes from Jesus dying for you. And so this is how Paul would circle back around af after diving into 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. Once again, this is how Paul would circle back around in 1 Corinthians 15. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I passed, or what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. First, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. It's not that the gifts of the Spirit can save anyone, it's the finished work of Jesus on the cross that does that. And so, the gifts of the Spirit work to point to Him as the greatest gift of all. And so, here's the, the third question, is what is God doing through me for the common good of the local body of Christ? I, I read with some interest this week the story of the older gentleman who owned a company and, and had been successful in that company for, for many, many years, and he had three sons, and he was getting ready to, to pass the, the company on to one of his sons. So he, he gathered them in his room as he was uh, in his last and, and few and final days, and he said, I'm going to give each of you five dollars. And what I want you to do is I want you to, to use that five dollars to fill this room with something. And whoever fills this room the most to my satisfaction, they will, they will receive the company. So the first son takes his five dollars, he goes and, and buys a bell of hay. And he comes back to the room with his bell of hay and he begins to spread the hay all over the room until it covers the floor completely. The second son takes his five dollars, he goes and he purchases a feather pillow. He comes and he rips the the, the pillow open and he takes all the feathers and he begins to fill the room with the feathers. And so they look at the third son and, they, and the father says, well, what did you do with your five dollars? He said, well, I, I gave two dollars to an orphanage, I gave two dollars to a soup kitchen, and, and one of the sons butted in and said, yes, yes, but he didn't do anything to fill this room. To which the third son said, and with my last dollar, I bought a match and a candle. He went over and he cut the lights off, put the candle in the center of the room, lit it with that one match, and the light covered from corner to corner of the room. What are we doing to fill our world? What are we doing for the common good of the local body of Christ? Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word that continues to convict us, continues to challenge us. Father, we recognize that apart from Christ and your spirit, we can do nothing. 
Christ would, would tell his disciples that, apart from me you can do nothing. And he has left this gift, this promised Holy Spirit, as we sang a moment ago, to continue his work. And so I, I pray, God, that you will uh, fill us with that very spirit today. God, that you will help us to ask for that spirit. Now, this, this is Jesus' words, that we ask for that spirit. Some of us know very well uh, what our giftedness has, is. Some of that changes from season to season. Some of us are still seeking, and I, I pray that we will, we will squash any of the enemy's attempts to place some sense of spirit of inferiority or, or superiority in this place, that we will let those attitudes die so that we can serve together for the common good and help us to acknowledge in one another that which you are doing in us, to encourage one another in that. God, there are some among us today that are just are struggling with certain life situations. God, I pray that you will send your comforter, your counselor, your helper, and help us to, to be aware of those situations, help us to have an attentiveness to what's going on in one another's lives so that we can walk alongside each other. God, thank you for blessing us with the body of Christ. In your perfect wisdom, you knew exactly what you were doing. And though we are in an imperfect body, we're thankful for a perfect Savior who takes away the sin of the world. And so we place our faith and our trust and our hope in you today. And we claim with our lips that Jesus is Lord. I thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.